Hi there, my name is Robert Fleming and I'm one of the partners at Fleming and Curdy PLC in Tucson, Arizona, an elder law firm in Southern Arizona for, oh my gosh, a quarter of a century. Um, we started actually when, when my guest today was a child. She was in grade school, but she's now a partner at Fleming and Curdy. So Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. Uh, welcome back, and, and let's talk about important estate planning, elder law, special needs trust kinds of issues. Well, when we sat down together today, Robert, I said, I've had a number of conversations this week with fantastic clients, and we've been talking about the most important estate planning documents you can have. And I am absolutely convinced at the wise age of 35, that the most important estate planning wait, documents... Wait, 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 I don't think you should give away the end. I think you oh, should... okay, I'll wait. Okay. I, I do get the question, though, and I think that people want to know that. And I'll tell you, hint, it's not your will, and it's not your trust. Uh, right, and, and, uh, and I'm only kidding about giving it away. I, I know the answer, but uh, let's hear what your answer is and see if... See if I happen to agree. I think the most important estate planning documents you can have are your powers of attorney, a well-written healthcare power of attorney that includes a living will or a will to live directions about what would happen in the event that you are in a vegetative state or unable uh, to continue living without assistive support, and a durable financial power of attorney that's either surviving or springing and will allow somebody to help make decisions and manage your assets if you're unable to do that yourself. These are documents that are only effective during your lifetime. Your powers of attorney die with you. And that's one of the most misunderstood concepts about powers of attorney. Yep, we have clients all the time come in and say, well, I ought to be able to close mom's bank account now that she has died because I had her power of attorney. Yeah, the power of attorney terminated with your mom's death. I think we need to issue a short disclaimer. We practice law in Arizona, in Tucson, Arizona, particularly, though we uh, we represent people all over the state of Arizona. And of course, the whole state has the same legal system, but the laws of Arizona are not the same as the laws of other states. I think I probably should say that the other way around. The laws of other states are not the same as the laws of Arizona. So what we say may not be exactly the same in your state. Be careful about relying on it unless you are an Arizona resident. Uh, but, uh, but we can generalize a little bit and probably successfully about, about these issues. And I'm going to guess that it's probably true that healthcare powers of attorney and financial powers of attorney, though they may typically be given different names in your state, are probably the most important documents in most jurisdictions. I completely agree with you, Elizabeth, that they are the things that we give the most value for. They're very underappreciated. They're not just forms. They are actually uh, living documents that speak to your circumstance. And I would say that when considering whether or not to create powers of attorney, one of the questions I get is, well, I'm, I'm healthy and I can make decisions and talk to my doctors. I can write my checks and balance my checkbook. I know how my investments are, are made and, and when I need to take my required minimum distributions. But the truth of it is, is that it's so important to plan for your incapacity during your lifetime. 
And without powers of attorney, we often find ourselves sitting down with families who need the court supervision over guardianship or conservatorship in order for the family to assist with decisions that relate to somebody's health care or their finances. And there's every opportunity to avoid that by creating powers of attorney. But if I create a living trust and I transfer all of my assets into the trust, which, by the way, we've talked about before and we'll talk about again, it's terribly important if you do a trust to actually make the trust the owner of most, if not all, of your assets. But if I have done that, isn't the financial power of attorney sort of irrelevant? No. Isn't one of your major assets, that IRA or 401k, that 403b account? What about your life insurance policies? For most people, you're never going to have a retirement account or life insurance policy that you transfer to your revocable trust during your lifetime. There are a lot of reasons why that's a bad idea, and we can talk about that another time. But at some point, you're probably going to need to take a required minimum distribution if you have a retirement account. And if you've become uh, disabled, whether or not it may be due to dementia or Alzheimer's, another disease that may affect your cognitive abilities, if you don't take your required minimum distribution, you're going to have a tax penalty. And that durable financial power of attorney will allow your agent to assist with that. The other thing that people tend to forget uh, isn't actually an asset transfer issue, but signing your tax returns. Your trustee doesn't have any authority to sign your tax returns. So there are still roles for the financial agent on a, on a durable power of attorney, um, even though you've transferred all of your assets to the trust. As between a healthcare power of attorney and a financial power of attorney, do you want to hazard a, a, an observation about which of those is more important? No, I think they're both equally important, to be honest. I think that people are concerned when they sign a healthcare power of attorney what authority their agent has. And I get the question whether or not the agent is able to talk to a doctor or um, request that a prescription be renewed during somebody's capacity. And the truth of it is, is that you can have your healthcare agent call your doctor's office or try and get another refill of the prescription. But nine times out of 10, your pharmacist or your doctor are first going to call you and contact you, the principal, to make sure that you want the agent talking to them or getting any medical information. And so your healthcare power of attorney is immediately effective. And when you sign it in our office, that's going to give the agent some access to information. However, we do see most medical providers contact the principal first before releasing any information to the agent. One of the reasons that I think that people's wills and trusts tend not to be the most important document we prepare is that most of our clients just follow the law of intestate succession. And, and here's what that means in English. If I die tomorrow without having written a will, everything will go to my spouse. If I don't have a spouse, it will go to my children in equal shares. And that's exactly what most people's wills and trusts say as well. So they, they don't really change what would happen very much. If they do, it tends to be around the edges. Oh, I want the mortgage on my daughter's house to be forgiven first before the division. Um, and it's not a huge change. Of course, the one thing that is not covered in, uh, in, in the law of intestate succession is who's going to be in charge. 
and, uh, and, and that is important in your will and trust. But I, I completely agree with you that for most of our clients, the powers of attorney turn out to have more meaningful impact on their actual life and ultimate death. And I'll just make one, one last note here, Robert. Powers of attorney are frequently the documents that people will go online to get forms for. They will go to Office Max or Office Depot. They will go to LegalZoom. They will download a form and try and complete it if it's a power of attorney because they think that's a basic document that they can create. Well, I'm going to caution everybody out there that by creating your own powers of attorney using a form or a template without talking to an attorney, you may be overlooking some incredibly important issues, not only state-specific issues, but issues that may relate to your personal circumstances. And um, whether it's the ability for an agent under a financial power of attorney to fund a trust or open a safety deposit box, to sign certain documents that might be closing papers for a house or a tax return. All forms are not created equal. So get yourself into an attorney's office and actually look at the form and review it. Have it tailored to your specifications. I just have to add one short anecdote to that is that when, when I first started doing this 25, 30 years ago it, with, with Tom Curdy, my then partner, um, we had language in our standard power of attorney that talked about the ability to open a safe deposit box. And then I had a bank say, yeah, but it doesn't say you can drill the safe deposit box and you don't have the key. So now our standard language says you can open the safe deposit box and have it drilled. And the point is, uh, lawyers are in the business of trying to think of problems that might arise and deal with problems that they've had arise to try to expand the documents. Sadly, that does mean that the darn document is about six pages long, but uh, but that's what it takes. Well, that's enough for most important estate planning document. I think we are in complete agreement, and it's time to tell people that if they would like more information about estate planning, estate administration, trust administration, special needs trusts, they ought to go visit our website, elder-law.com. And, uh, and this is Robert Fleming from the law firm of Fleming and Curdy in Tucson, Arizona, with my partner and guest, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, wishing you a good day. We'll be back.